Hello, and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, we got a lot to talk about today, so let's just hop right into it. Would you want the good news or the bad news first? Um, give me the bad news. I'm a miserable person today. All right. Well, we talked about it last time. You thought about it in November. Yeah. You changed your mind on Tuesday. Of course I did. For the season, you said Nova on the road at Marquette was going to be a loss. I sure thought that thing. was a little crazy. Nope. You changed your mind after seeing them against Providence for reasons you explained why on Tuesday. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking that. Approximately 12 hours after we got off the air, Marquette stunned number one Villanova, winning 74-72 to at the BMO Harris Center. The Golden Eagles finished the game on a 19-4 and run to take yeah. the lead and win the game. It's Never Marquette's first win over Nova in five years. Of course it was. You were fuming that night. You've had a day to process it. Yeah. Or I guess a day and a few hours to process mm. it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that game now? What a what a joke! Like what what were we doing? I I just want to talk about the absolute horrible game management at the end by everyone from Jay to the low end bench players and everyone in between. It was just horrendous. It was mind boggling and like not anything that resembles a national championship contender. It was banging your head against the wall inducing. I'm surprised my phone is still operable because that thing should have been broken after watching this one. This brought out like the bad in me that my parents only got to see when I was watching the Scotty Reynolds teams choke against Texas in the garden. Like this, this was that bad. I don't understand why we have our best player on the bench with less than four minutes to go and because he has four fouls. Like, I understand you don't want to lose him, but you were up so big anyway, it didn't really matter if you are going to lose him anyway. So why you have him out? Then you have your seventh guy on the bench shooting threes with 27 seconds left in the shot clock for whatever reason, I have no idea, considering your team was horrendous from the three-point line. Oh, and let's forget, at least we forget about our senior leader, Chris Jenkins, who was too busy, I guess, leading the team in the corner and just, you know, standing there doing nothing. Oh, wait, no, he caught the ball and then hacked up a bad shot. How many times did I say that during the game? I I can't, I couldn't even, too many times to count. What happened? What went wrong? I can't even begin to explain it. This is a sign of bad. This was a bad coaching game on Jay's part. Terrible clock management on our part, which was always a problem. It's always been a problem, but this was exemplified. I, I don't know why we were shooting with more than 20 seconds on the shot clock at pretty much every possession down the stretch. And I'm sorry, but Arch and Chef aren't walking through that door to calm everything down. These seniors have to take control, and it's kind of tough when one's standing in the corner because he's having a bad night and has lost all his confidence, and it's also tough when the other senior is on the bench with four fouls for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I've said enough. You, you you take over. I, I can't take it anymore. You weren't kidding when you told me you were fuming. You know, I felt the heat over text, but you were not kidding when you said you had a lot to say. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to lose to a good Butler team on the road after having a bad night. Like, you can chalk it up to a bad night. This, you play pretty well for 
what, 35 minutes of a 40-minute game, and then in the last five minutes, you just epically collapse. This is not a good sign. What makes, If you're going to do this on the road against Marquette, what makes you think you're not going to do this against Iowa State in the Sweet 16 in the tournament? Or heck, even maybe against whatever eight seed or seven seed you're going to be playing in the second round. It, it makes no sense why this team is just so incompetent down the stretch lately. I, I don't get it. They, they kind of showed it against Providence, too. They let Providence hack up four threes in the last two minutes last game. I don't get it. What's going on? And it was showed against Butler, too, when they kind of collapsed there as well. I'd say the only game in which they showed some mental fortitude uh, again, that down the stretch was against the pull at home. What the freaking do and against Creighton at Purdue? I would say the Purdue game, but that was that was way back. Okay. That was a while ago. Basically, a different team. Yeah. Now, when I was watching this game, uh-huh. Nova was up by ten with about five minutes to go. Right. I get a phone call from a coach that I need to interview for a piece that I'm working on, and I have to step away from the TV. In my mind, I'm thinking, "All right, they're up by ten. You know, no problem. Like they're, you know, they're just going to coast away with this. When you have a young team like Marquette, they did exactly what they needed to do in the start. They blitzed them early. They crushed their spirits. The BMO Hair Center was quiet. No Golden Eagles really getting it going, and it was exactly what Villanova needed to do. They were making their shots. Sure, the threes weren't falling, but they were taking it inside, and they shot over fifty percent in the first half, which is ideal. Whenever you can do that. Mm-hmm. I get off the phone, and I sit in front of the TV. Two minutes left, and, and all of a sudden, the BMO Harris Center is alive. And then you have mm-hmm. Marquette staging this furious comeback at the end. That end game, oh, my God. It collapsed. That was a you, choke job. That was, that was like the kind of choke job you, you saw when Villanova was the butt of all jokes because of the round of 32. Yep. You're exactly right. And this was a Wisconsin team doing this. Usually Wisconsin teams are the ones choking, not the ones reverse choking. It's, oh, I know it's January and a lot of people, a lot of people are so nonchalant about this loss, but this is the type of loss that's indicative of something like of a collapse as a whole down the road. You saw it with 2009, the 2010 season. You're coming off a huge Final Four. You start off the season on a great run, thinking it's probably going to be better than last year, or you're definitely replicating the performance. And then they lose, like, what, five out of six down the stretch, throwing some real bad losses to low-end teams, and there you go. And that was the end of them. And then they eventually had a scare against Robert Morris in the tournament, and then they lose to St. Mary's. This team is heading down that road, and they got a huge game this Saturday, which we'll talk about later. Still not talking about this game, but if they if they lose that one, we are in some – I'd have to say we, we might be in a little bit of trouble. I know you weren't happy with the management of Josh Hart, right. how he was managed. He only played four minutes in the first half. Mm-hmm. Had two fouls then. I disagree with that. I thought he should have played more in that first half. Okay. Two fouls isn't really much. The most important one was pulling him – with about five minutes to go, and then you burn your final timeout with a minute left to bring him back when Marquette is right there and the game is tied. Right. If you're Jay Wright, how do you change managing that last five minutes? I get Hart in under the under four timeout, and I just leave him in the whole game until he fouls out. You weren't going to win that game in overtime, so you might as well have just gone for the win and – so just leaving Hart in wouldn't matter if he fouled out or not, to be honest with you. I know you said you missed the few last few minutes, but I don't think we were winning that game in overtime, so it didn't matter. And just something I want to bring up as well, 
Marquette missed, what was it, like six free throws in a row? It was six or like seven of eight at one point down the stretch. They could have blown us out at the rate that was going. It was just a remarkable turnaround. Like, I'm not trying to detract from Marquette. They're a good team. I've been on the bandwagon for a while. I know you say you have one foot on the bandwagon. They're a good team. They're a likable team. But this was a collapse. It was just as much as a collapse as it was a Marquette comeback. And, yeah, Jay's mismanagement definitely contributed to it. I just felt like all of Nova's flaws or everything that was wrong or everything that could go wrong with the team just came pouring out all in one game. You have the over-reliance of the three-point line. Nova wasn't hitting anything. They were six of 34 from deep. A lot of guys had 0-4 nights. Mm-hmm. Six for 34, you couldn't take it inside a little more. This is when I would have I missed mean, really. having a, a chef down low, a guy that you can feed inside, you know, get the ball inside. Outside of Reynolds, he did get the he did take eight shots, but outside of Reynolds, the only person really driving it inside is Josh Hart, who takes it in, and you can't rely on his acrobatic finishes to bail you out all the time. No, you can't, but he basically did for about the last two minutes. He had that crazy offensive rebound off a terrible, stupid taken shot. But like you said, work it inside. I don't understand why you didn't. You did for the past two games. It was working great. Now all of a sudden you're over-relying on the three. Like, all right, you want to take 34 shots from deep because you always want to shoot three-pointers? Like, that's in the game plan. You saw something that Marquette was giving you? Fine, I'll give it to you. But don't shoot it when you're up by five with 20-plus seconds left in the shot clock. And you have a man on you. It was just a why after why moment. Like, why are they doing this? What like what was running through their heads? And no one took control. No one said, let's calm down. Let's kill some clock. Jalen did to an extent, but I only say that because he's controlling the ball. And when he passed it, it was like immediate hack up a shot time for Nova. It made no sense. What did you think about the death problem here? They were yeah. virtually playing a six-man rotation throughout the game. Josh Hart was very effective when he was on the floor. 19 mm-hmm. minutes, 16 points, 8 rebounds. Pretty good stat line for the limited amount of time he played. But for the most part, Novo is running six. Mm-hmm. How much does this concern you coming down the line? Especially in March, you're playing games like this where they're short turnaround games. Yes, I, you know you can't simulate the feeling of March in January. But, you know, this is pretty close. You get a two-day turnaround. Right. This is a problem. Huge problem. And I know I know, I brought it up last episode that like, I want Phil to medically redshirt at this point, And I want him to. I don't want him coming back. What is he going to do? Like, I understand he take away minutes from some guys who don't deserve them right now and with the way they're playing. But it, it's I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference because this team is shot. Like, you can tell their legs are gone, and it's the end of January. I don't know what it is. Like, are you not running enough in practice? Like, I, I feel like that would tire them out more. But are you just not getting hyped enough for the games that the adrenaline's not carrying you? I mean, they, they've done it before. I don't know. I don't see this working out well at all. Like, at all. This is the type of rotation that you see Sweet 16 teams make with. Like, Duke last year, they got to the Sweet 16 with basically just five guys, and then they ran out of steam. But they had all the talent in the world because they're Duke. You're only so good as the last guy on your bench. So you're playing six, basically, at this point. What 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 can you do? We've seen what Eric Pascal and Dante DiVincenzo can do. They got blown off the bench, really. Marquette outscored Villanova's bench 38-6. to six. Marquette's bench even outscored their starters. That That's mind-blowing. Really? Had, I did not even know that. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. You had wow. Caden Reinhardt 
lead the bench. Of, of course. course, we roast him long before, and of course, he starts the season off terribly and just starts to get his stuff together for Creighton and Nova when it matters most. He had 19 points, including the basket to tie the game at 72, and then the eventual game-winning free throws. Then you had another 19 points from Dwayne Wilson and Andrew Rousey combined. Luke Fisher was the only one really able to get it going in the starting lineup. He had 17, but you had Marcus Howard. You hold him to zero. Yeah, well, that was mainly on the refs. They were who were also horrible on both sides. Just, they just couldn't shut up. Just let them play. So you're saying you don't want Phil Booth back right. to fix depth. You still want him to stay out of it? Yeah, I don't want him back. Why? Like, why? He wouldn't be ready. And he, I, I would think he'd be more of a detriment to the team at this point. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm just saying with one guy on one knee, one healthy knee, playing at in big games, I just don't see him performing up to his usual standards. Do you think Wright should try to work in Delaney or Painter? Not even crazy minutes, but let's say, you know, you, right. you get 10 minutes from either one of them. The sag off minute-wise. Why not? Like, why not? I. I mean, if you don't trust them, you're going to have to eventually trust them down the line. And I don't know what them doing sitting on the bench is going to do. So I, I I agree with you there. Just get work them in somehow. You got to take some minutes off these guys' legs. It's not going to hold up in two months. I'm telling you that right now. So if you got to work them in, work them in. And if your team's going to suffer because of it, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of like just putting Phil Booth back in there at the same point. I, they both would be ineffective. I mean, why not go for it? Try it. I'd rather them healthy running out there being bad than Phil Booth running out potentially injuring his knee again. I would like to see one of them worked in. I know that they're probably – they're definitely not up to the level of the guys, the seven guys in the main rotation now. But mm-hmm. we saw it happen last year with Daniel Chef who tweaks his ankle in the Big East tournament and in the NCAA tournament – you have Daryl Reynolds step in. How do you work in the depth? Like, how do you work in minutes-wise? After Daryl Reynolds, there's only Eric Pascal, and he's not a true center. And then who's going to spell him? He's 6'7". No <laughs> he's 6'7". He would be the tallest guy if something were to happen to Daryl Reynolds. Unless if you bring in a Dylan Painter or a Tim Delaney. And so instead of thrusting this role on them then, or kind of giving them this surprise role, why not work them in a little bit? Maybe five minutes or like ten minutes here and there. I agree with you. Do it. Might as well. I mean, we could have had a replacement for Pascal and, and Daryl, but he's he's not eligible to play because, God forbid, the defending champions allowed to do anything fun and allowed to have any big names on a team that, that wins a lot and does this sport some good. God forbid a, a ninth grader was thinking so hard about his future and his education to switch from a public school to a private school, and because of his 13, 14-year-old decision, he is now suffering because of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have guys cashing in or doing some other... Shady a lot, honestly, stuff. A lot, worse. A, a lot of yes. other shenanigans. A lot of other shenanigans, and they're playing right now. Yeah, with no issue. Slap on the wrist. Who cares? I think the reason what made the Marquette loss so frustrating was that, like you said, it's a very possible you see a team like Marquette as a seventh seed or an eight seed. You know, it could definitely be like a second round or even a sweet 16 type game mm-hmm. in that talent. And it's better to have these problems now, better to have these problems in the regular season where you can, where you have a second chance or another chance to address them as opposed to later in March, that's it. You go home. That's the right. end of your season. Yup. Like you alluded to before, this is the type of performance that basically guarantees your round of 32 choke job. So <laughs> I, 
I just hope this isn't indicative of what's about to come. I really don't because this team gives me stuff to look forward to during the week. No matter how bad of a week you're having, you're like, oh, Villanova's playing DePaul on a Tuesday in Chicago. I'm going to watch this game and see them beat them down and see and be happy for a day for a few hours and get my mind off reality for a bit. But now, as we were discussing off air, that might not even be a possibility because DePaul's giving everyone trouble, including ourselves, and we don't know how to win on the road anymore. I don't know what's going on in my life. What? happened i'm gonna throw you some numbers just to just to make this feel a little more real it was a tale of two halves is this gonna calm me down no damn it (laughs) (laughs) so like we said before the three-point shooting was just atrocious across the board yeah so we're gonna we're gonna put we you know we already addressed that but in the first half shoots 51.7 percent on the floor yeah Beautiful. That's that's a gr- whatever you're shooting above fifty percent. That's a great sign that you're definitely doing very well, which they were doing in the first half. Mm-hmm. Marquette, ice cold, thirty four percent on the floor, twenty five percent from deep. Yeah. Second cool. half starts. Villanova just can't can't even buy a basket. They can not only can they buy a basket, they're they're not getting anything free. Nothing was nothing literally was coming their way. Mm-hmm. They shot 31.6% on the floor, ugly 18% from deep. Meanwhile, Marquette is shooting just under 70% on the floor, 69.6%. That's absurd. And from beyond the arc, they were a blistering 7 for 11, mm-hmm. 63%. Yeah. This is a running gun type team. We talked about how great they are offensively. It didn't look like Villanova could defend the middle. It it looked it was strange. It was bizarre. I don't know if it was fatigue. I don't know what it was, but they complacency even. I don't know what went wrong there, but Villanova did not look like a national championship team. That's the standard you have to hold them at when you look at them. That's just the way it is. Yes, this is January, but you also got to think of how a six man rotation is going to work in March. And it won't. But you're exactly right. They got too complacent. Absolutely complacent. It looked like they – I wouldn't say it wouldn't look like they, were, they weren't trying, but there were some bad misassignments at, at three-point line. You don't go 7-11 contested. You, you were taking some open shots while you were at it from deep. I couldn't name one where Marquette hit a contested three. I think all of the ones they hit were wide open. It was just terrible all around. And also but, Villanova had wide open ones that they weren't knocking down. Oh right, yeah, exactly. I think Jalen airballed. I think Jalen airballed one at toward the end there. It was like, what are you doing? You can't even hit the rim. <laughs> like, is it? Are the sight lines bad? Remember that was a big talking point back in April in Houston. But it was like, oh man, set. And for a team that prides itself on defense, I hate to say it because I hate them, but. Villanova is a lot like the Seattle Seahawks. You pride yourself on defense, 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 and you have an offense that's really good, and it, it usually will win you games If sometimes if your defense falters. But when you base your whole team around defense and you're giving up 70% of the shots from the floor, come on. what what Something's wrong there. And it, whether it was complacency or whether Marquette just got hot, which I don't believe they just – you don't get 70% hot in the second half. You have to look at the tape and hopefully you find something to adjust on because if Marquette's going to do this to you, what, what do you think Virginia is going to do to you? Exactly. And just for reference, I mean, we all saw what happened in 2014 when Villanova took Creighton, the Doug McDermott teams, 
this Marquette second half performance surpassed that of that Creighton team. Creighton in that game shot 64% on the floor and Marquette shot just under 70. Just just putting things in perspective for you. So, so it's even worse. That's great. Thanks for riling me up some more. Appreciate it. So this all is a perfect segue to my next question for you. No, no. On a scale from 1 to 10, how concerned are you for the number 12 Virginia Cavaliers coming into the Wells Fargo Center on Saturday? They're sitting at 16-3. and three. They just recently flexed that defense against Notre Dame in a 17-point win. Mm-hmm. How worried are you for this game? An eight. A solid eight. This is I I was concerned going into this week and then after the way they played, it's just you have to elevate it even more. Like I said, if Marquette's holding you under thirty percent shoot or around thirty percent shooting in the second half, Virginia's gonna hold you to like fifteen percent. They are just so <laughs> so good on defense and they have just enough offense that if you hold them if you hold any other team under sixty, they will probably beat you by a lot. I, I am I am deathly afraid. I'm giving Villanova a chance here because it's at Wells Fargo. If this was in Virginia, I would just chalk it up as an L, like the easiest L I'll ever call for Villanova. Now, I know you call Villanova the Seattle Seahawks, but this is a Virginia team. As we I, know, they've always been about defense. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of overreacted with that. I'd say maybe Villanova's more like the Broncos last year, and then the, Cav- the Cavaliers are more peak Seattle Seahawks. Since Tony Bennett was around, probably even longer than that, yeah. they just love, 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 love defense. Yeah, they do. Ken Palm ranks them as the third most efficient defense in Division One. Really? Yeah. I thought they'd be higher. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the two teams ahead of them. It was like South Carolina and someone else, and I was just sitting there thinking, this is uh, – all right, sure, all right. Fine. Right, right. I'll get that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We, we trust you, Kempon, but... Uh, out of the top three, one. Virginia was definitely the best one. Yeah, for sure. I even assume so. They don't put up crazy scoring numbers. If you just go online and you just look at their pure stats or you look at you know what their players are doing, you're like, oh, this isn't that impressive. This isn't that great. Mm-hmm. But that's because they don't, they don't really care about any of that. They run a 10-man <laughs> rotation. Literally, oh. they have 10 bodies... Running around, you know, even though only two guys are scoring more than 10 points per game, they're winning games because literally all 10 guys that they throw onto the court at any given moment can score. They're capable of scoring and chipping in even a few points here and there. They don't care as long as they play their defense and they win their game. Thankfully, Ken Palm did the math for us. They adjusted all that and they put everyone on an equal playing level because they know that, you know, Virginia is very slow paced. Half-court offense, very patient. They don't run and gun like Marquette. But according to Ken Palm, they are ranked 16th in offensive efficiency. So they get the job done. So they're a really good team, is what you're saying. <laughs> you don't you don't just end up ranked 12 for, you know, by accident. Yeah, I feel like 12 is kind of under, underdoing it a little bit. I feel like they should be higher. But then again, the ACC is a little bit of a train wreck since they cannibalize each other. Yeah, I'm I'm scared to death. Ten man rotation, I honest I didn't know that. I, I even doing research before the game, I was just like, oh, maybe this guy just get uh, I, I thought maybe some of these guys were just getting minutes because they're blowing out teams left and right, but no, they're actually part of the rotation. 
that's great. That'll work real well against six of our guys. Their, their defense isn't getting tired. Fantastic. The scary part is, honestly, is that they, they surprised me a little bit for how good they're doing this year, despite not having the star power of an All-American Malcolm Brogdon, who has since graduated and went to the draft. Right. You lost your boy Mike Toby. Ah, uh, there he is. And Anthony Gill. All three of these guys are gone, and they're still putting up big numbers. They're still putting up Ws. That's the only stat that, at the end of the day, truly matters. Mm-hmm. They do have one guy. You may remember him from last year. He's He burned Villanova a little bit from the three-point line. London mm-hmm. Perantes, yeah. he's their top scorer, 12 points per game, three-point specialist. But honestly, when you have 10 guys that can score at any moment or tip in a few points here and there, it doesn't really matter who their top scorer is. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, he he was like a thorn in our side last year, big time. He he was really annoying to play against. So was Anthony Gill. I was surprised he was a senior last year. I could have sworn like I had never heard of him before. And I just like, oh, this kid's good. He's probably a sophomore. now. he's a senior. I mean, I knew Mike Toby was a senior. And yeah, Malcolm Brogdon was like, what, fifth year senior? So felt like he was there forever, honestly. Yeah, he was. You know, he was like one of those Aaron Kraft type guys, but actually like really, really good. So like how other programs view Arch, you know, he's, they're oh, like, oh, right. he's still there. Like, what are you talking about? He, he's been here the whole time. <laughs> we can swear. He's, this is actually only his fourth year. We swear. We have yeah. his papers. We have his birth certificate. We have his enrollment uh, letter of intent. <laughs> yeah. The whole work. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that front that I didn't see Virginia doing this well. Like because, like you said, they lost so much. I mean, losing Brogdon's enough, and then you lose Toby and Gill on, on top of it, and it's just like, how is this going to work? But you lose them. Your best player is London Perantes, who was the four, third or fourth option on that team last year, and now you're running 10 deep. They didn't miss a beat, which is a shock, to be honest with you, because you don't really think of Virginia as like a powerhouse basketball school, but yet here we are, and they're kicking some, they've been kicking some real butt in the past, what was it, like six, uh, five, six years? Yeah, they've been they've been pretty nice. Yeah, I guess that's so, why they're on our schedule. What are your official thoughts? I know you don't like it. You're scared. It scares you. I'm scared. You're gonna give Villanova W? Um, I am. I I don't know. Yeah, I am. I picked Nova in preseason. I'm gonna stick by this one. I feel that Jay's not isn't a bad coach, <laughs> so I don't think he's gonna let these guys play two bad games in a row. We talked about this right after they lost to Butler. Like you just don't see this team losing twice in a row. They're usually able to correct the ship. I mean, granted, they never faced a team like Virginia off a loss, like off an immediate loss. So this will, it'll be different in that regard. But I mean, you're at home. We know it's Wells Fargo, it's not the Pavilion, but you're at home. This game's been sold out for, like, months. Right. You're going to have the crowd behind you, hopefully, assuming it's not the Wine and Trees crowd for the entire game. And there's actually students who get in the arena and aren't too busy tailgating outside. So I'm going to trust everyone on that. I'm going to give it to Villanova. I'm giving it to Villanova just on the sole base of Villanova hasn't lost back-to-back games since our freshman year, the 2012-13 season. And I know originally in the preseason preview show, I said that Villanova was going to lose this game. This was going to be a loss. But I think that the Marquette loss happening before that just changes all that, especially the way Villanova lost. They they collapse at the end. That's not an easy pill to swallow. They're going to come back raging. Unlike the collapses in the tournament's past, you didn't get a second chance. You didn't get another game to correct all that. 
Now you do get that. Not just any other team. It's one of the top teams in the country all around, defensively, offensively. This is a big stage right here. This game will be very telling of their fortitude. Can they bounce back or will they just crumble some more? Hopefully they'll bounce back, put an end to the slide or prevent a slide from happening. This will certainly be a tough one, but I'm giving it to Villanova solely because I just don't see them losing back-to-back. Fair enough. If they do lose, though, I think we should uh, hold a uh, special state of emergency, state of the Nova podcast, state of the Nova Nation podcast. You're so disoriented that you can't even, you forgot the name of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's been that type of uh, stretch here lately. DeAndre Hunter won't be on the floor, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. When I was researching the game, I saw you actually redshirted. You did that redshirt. Was pretty, it was pretty sad. But then again, that was pretty expected. He He is a very raw player. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like he just needs to put on some weight. He's a local product from Buddy Central. Yeah, from Buddy Central, and he did as best as a job as anyone could against Mo Bamba. Also, shout out to Ty Jerome, Virginia's freshman point guard. I don't know if he's still dating, but he dated the sister of former teammate of mine, the original Maddie Biscuits. Just continuing to point out the links between me and these players doing it big while I sit around on a podcast. Oh, that's hilarious. Just, <laughs> just like your Ali Marpet connection. Ali Marpet. <laughs> now Ty Jerome's playing for one of the top teams in the country. And Eric Pascal. Oh, yeah, he's been too. Forgot about yeah, that. Our, our shenanigans on the playground in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So that's the bad news, Chris. Oh, wait, there's, that's right. I kind of forgot there was uh, good yeah, news. Yeah, you were very angry. Uh, I'm, I'm just an angry child. What can I say? So the good news Tano Capasio is turning some heads over at the Senior Bowl training camp down in Mobile, Alabama. You had the 6'8", 280-pound defensive end to get the attention of Todd McShay at the weigh-in. And a lot of people, too. Hmm. Let me tell you about this weigh-in before I go deeper into this. Yeah, please explain it to the viewers out there. It seems like the most uncomfortable thing in the world. First of all, I don't know if I should call it the NFL or I guess technically the Senior Bowl camp runners. (laughs) <laughs> they bring out each prospect one by one to an audience of people. And then they just stand on a scale and then they get their measurements. And then people literally just either sit in silence or take notes furiously on a notepad. Or you just hear oohs and ah. That's all you hear. That's all That's all the noise there is. No way. It, it just seems so uncomfortable. It just does not. Oh. It like It is a room that I would not want to really sit in. Oh, oh God. So Tano Capasio steps up to the scale, and he got some oohs and ahs and a lot of pen scratching as they fiercely took notes. <laughs> a lot of people are marveling at his size. Really? Yes. That's amazing. You mentioned Todd McShay already, right? Yeah, Todd McShay. And then you had Mike Mayock over at the NFL Network was mm-hmm. raving about him. It was definitely one of the bright spots and most talked about because later in the day after weigh-in, they started, you know, put the pads on, they did some drills. And let me tell you, Tano bodied Western Kentucky lineman Forrest Lamp. And oh, Forrest great. Lamp is no slap. <laughs> <laughs> He's deemed by many to be one of the top offensive linemen in this year's draft and is projected to be a first-round pick. And I saw this video, and it was all over Twitter, and then I saw it later on YouTube. He comes in and just drives him back as if he's on roller skates and then just throws him to the ground. Oh, big boy. <laughs> big boy. Is the, is this video readily available? Oh, so oh yes, it is. Yes, it is. We can tweet it out after the show. 
What do you make of this attention that Mr. Tano is getting? It's pretty cool because, you know, you're just on Twitter, just, you know, refreshing during your lunch break. And then all of a sudden you see uh, a tweet from Todd McShay that says, Tano Capastanon's killing it at the Senior Bowl. And I'm like, oh, I know that name. I'm going to send this to you. (laughs) So it's just (laughs) nice to see Villanova football getting some recognition I mean, granted, I did see this news before the basketball game, so I was in a much happier state of mind, so I was all about it. I remember a few, many, many moons ago, we were talking about Tano's draft possibilities, and we're like, eh, maybe he'll be undrafted, maybe the Eagles will give him a chance. And then we talked about it later, and we're like, all right, maybe fifth, sixth round pick, because I forget something happened. I think something with a scout said something. Now you're looking, now you're looking like maybe second, early second day, like this is pretty cool. And I know like the senior bowl doesn't encompass all draft prospects because there's a lot of good underclassmen out there, but uh, it seems like the NFL is taking notice of seniors lately. They seem to be going with the more experienced guys, even though it is only like a year or two year difference. Like like everyone's been saying he's, he's built like a lineman, but as fast as a linebacker, it is just crazy what he can do. Yeah, just going off of what you said, NFL Draft Scout lists him as the ninth best defensive end going in. They currently had him shaping in to be a third or maybe a fourth round draft pick going into senior week or senior bowl week. At the way we're going, do you see this changing? I'd say he's probably going to stay around there. Maybe he gets lucky and gets in the second round, but I, I see him more as a fourth round pick right now. And then maybe if he performs well, he'll get bumped up to a third round grade. I'm just glad that these are actually like NFL scouts tweeting this out and not the Brown scouts because apparently the Browns are like the lead scouts there because they were the worst team in the league and apparently they have like full control of the senior bowl. So oh, yeah. thank God it's like Tom Mache and Mike Mayock and not whoever the hell the head scouts of Cleveland is because then I wouldn't believe it. They, they try. They try over there. No, yeah, well, you can try all you want. You're still Browns. Yeah, I got home from work yesterday. I got home from the office, turned on the TV. I turned on at the right time, went over to ESPNU, and they had practice. And they were showing, they were filming practice. And I happened to turn in right at the right time. Tana was doing some drills. And his athleticism, it's crazy what he's doing against these FBS linemen. Mm-hmm. You know, he showed off a little spin move, a little, a little shimmy. And. <laughs> No one can pronounce his last name right. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but there were some that just weren't even close. Literally, <laughs> the guys broadcasting this game continue to just rave about him. Scouts are going crazy about him. I know so far it's been reported that he's spoken to the Eagles, the Giants, and the 49ers. They've met with him. They've talked to him. He's He'll be repping the South team, which I don't know who comes up with what because yeah. Pennsylvania isn't exactly South. Yeah, I think they'd make it up like the Pro Bowl. But, yeah, they just can't stop raving about him. They love his role as a pass rusher, and that's something that definitely stuck out to me. He's a great pass rusher, a little iffy on the run stopping, but the man is a freak of nature. He's very athletic, and honestly, I think you can work with that. You can work with that. Oh, absolutely. Can't teach size, can't teach speed. So he's got both of those, and now you just got to teach him a little bit of technique, get him into your system, he'll, he'll be great. He's more of a 4-3 D end, right? Yeah. He's not, yeah. Yeah, I was so. going to say, I could see him as like a 4-3 edge rusher on a pass. Yeah, honestly, I, I the Giants would be a good fit for him. Seeing how the NFL game is just becoming more pass heavy, 
mm-hmm. it's probably not a bad thing at all. No, not at all. You you, you got to stockpile on those pass rushers nowadays. It's all about getting to the quarterback. Who cares if you can stop the run? But yeah, the the Browns coaching staff is running the show at practice. I, I turned it on, and yeah, you had all the other NFL coaches or like scouts off to the sidelines, but the Browns coaches were right there. They were, they were instructing everyone, and I was sitting there thinking. <laughs> Who put them in charge? Who let them, who let them in? I was like, I don't know if I want Tano talking to these guys. I think I want him yeah. talking to the Seahawks defensive coordinator or the Steelers D. All right, let him talk to Mike Tomlin. Yeah, now, yeah, and they're all, now they're all tainted prospects because they've all had contact with the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> you can't trust them anymore. You got to lower their grades across the board because I'm sure the Browns ruined all of them. Yeah, Doug Peterson, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, was there. He was looking pretty happy with what he was watching. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I guess since you have a young quarterback, I guess you can start building a defense. So Villanova does have a few players in the NFL, but he's actually looking to be the first Wildcat to hear his name on draft day since Ben Igelano was taken by the Colts in the second round back in 2011. Oh, Benji. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Oh, it's starting to be a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 2011. You don't realize you really realize how long ago that was. Yeah, I know, right? Like I kind of remember when he was drafted, just having the draft on in the background and just hearing his name. It's it's just weird to think of how much time has passed since. Yeah, I I agree with that. So the Senior Bowl game will be this Saturday at 1:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you can't go down to Alabama, it'll be on the NFL Network. Will you be tuning in to see Tano Capasimo? Gotta be honest with you, no. Really? I mean, I, I'd like to see Tano, but I'll just catch the highlights after. I'm sure someone will make a mixtape of some sort. I'm, I'm done with football for the year. Uh, oh. I've, I've kind of had enough. Still say it. I'm, honestly, I'm taking this loss much better than you know I usually do. Um, but I, I, I've just had enough of football. And I, th- I thought, oh, it's college basketball season now, and I'd be happy for that. But my hopes get let down. And my hockey team sucks, and now the best team I root for plays in another country. So... I, I think I just need to take a break from sports for a bit. <laughs> Very understandable. I remember after the round of 32 exits, I did not watch any more of the NCAA tournament until the national championship game. Oh, right. Yeah, that, that used to be a, a tradition of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after that NC State one. See, the UConn <laughs> one, UConn one I, I came back when UConn won. I came yeah. back maybe around the Elite Eight, Final Four. Mm-hmm. But that NC State one, I almost didn't even watch the championship game between Duke and Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't I think I intentionally drove back to school that day because I think Easter was right around that time just so I didn't have to watch it. I remember the only game I watched after that NC State loss was the Kentucky-Notre Dame one, and that was because I wanted to see Kentucky lose, but they didn't. They, I mean, didn't. they eventually did. Right. But they, they, yeah, just, they eventually did. They eventually did, but, yeah, it, you just become so sad because it's not you out there. And after experiencing last year, I think we'll even understand that even more if we do lose in the tournament this year, which might happen. So we've got the good news out of the way, the bad news out of the way. Yeah. I'm going to throw some more news at you. Not good or bad, just kind of neutral news. Neutral news. Let's, let's, uh, let's, you know, let's have a little, let's have a little talk. Let's have a little, you know, let's have a little showdown. Let's have a little debate. Let's, uh, you know, let's talk about this. Oh, embrace debate. Nothing, nothing better to lighten my mood. This also happened after we got off the airwaves on Tuesday. After that Tuesday podcast went up. I'm not sure if you heard about this. I'm not sure if you know about this. But the selection committee is doing something a little bit different this year for March Madness. 
they're actually going to put good teams in. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. They're not going to put Syracuse in as a 10 seed as a, as a favor. <laughs> Is that what they're going to do? They're going to be objective? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're not going to put this uh, tainted seeding system to protect certain teams from playing in certain areas? Right. <laughs> they're actually going to seed based on merit and merit, record. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what's going on? Because if that's the case, we can move on. But I'm, I have a feeling it's not. <laughs> well, I, I can't speak on that yet. We're going to have to wait until Selection Sunday because at least that's all I can hope for. And no, they haven't really made any comment as to bringing Selection Sunday back to being a 30-minute show as opposed to an hour. So that's still up in the air. But this past Tuesday, the NCAA announced that for the first time ever, in about two weeks, you will be able to catch the selection committee announce what they feel at that moment in time on February 11th are the top 16 teams and they will show the top four seeds in each region unleashing the first set of rankings pre-selection Sunday ever. Yay. And then uh, later on that same show, they will have a full 68 team projection. This by no means would be the official 68 teams. It'll just be CBS bringing on a bracketologist, but the top sixteen would be for real. What? 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 <laughs> what? What is? What does that mean? We're gonna have a, a made up bracket. Or, oh, or, or or is it like a decoy bracket? Like it's really what the NCAA wants to do, but they're gonna bring up this guy <laughs> and say that you, you wrote this. You wrote it for you. You're right. Yeah, it's gonna. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, Duke, yeah, and their fictional bracket, Duke, would be a one. Why? Why are we doing this? What? What's the point of it? It's just to show where everyone's at. I think I think everyone kind of knows where everyone's at. I don't really think it matters if whoever's number 15 in the poll is going to be a three or four seed at that point. I don't think it really cares. I understand that when, when they do it for college football, because like literally the difference between one and five is like minuscule. The difference between one 16 and 17 means jack crap. So what, what is the point of this? Just to, just to get everyone's hopes up of you being a one seed and then only for it to be crushed because you choke at a terrible school's facility. In yeah, January. probably probably stir the pot, get people talking. I mean, they haven't officially said why they will be bringing in the chair of the men's basketball committee, Ooh. Mark Hollis, and he'll be talking about why they chose to do it this year and why they chose to have this show. Oh, great. I'm sure it'll exist for one episode and or one revealing, and then everyone's going to have a conniption, and then they're going to stop doing it. Why yeah, is my team not in the top sixteen? I'm like, well, your your team's getting in if you're if you think they should be in the top sixteen. So chill. Yeah, according to the decoy bracket, your team <laughs> is a fifth seed, so I think you're fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if they wanted to do a like a top like thirty four, because isn't that isn't that like the at large bids? 34 there's only like 34 at large and the rest are auto i don't i don't know what the number is if you wanted to do that all right fine i get it but like what what's the point of 16 why not 17 why not 18 why why such an arbitrary number because it's the top four in each region chris yeah but the four and five seeds are basically the same that's what we thought but then next thing you know we we were playing in louisville for some reason honestly this is just Further proving the 
wise words of the Wu-Tang Clan. Cash <laughs> rules everything around me. And they are just raking it in. They're like, oh, this works for college football? Oh, we should try this too. Let's let's pocket more money in TV deals from everyone. Yeah, you're right. This was definitely a money grab. I mean, that, that's pretty obvious. You know, get people talking, get people riled up, bring in a decoy bracket. Honestly, why, why do you have to, <laughs> why do you have to project the, the first four for me? Why do you have to project for me 64 through 68? That's most likely going to change, in, but honestly, probably the, by the next day. Yeah, it'll probably change like, during the bracket revealing, probably. I don't know. I don't know when this is going to be, but yeah. I also feel like the fun of Selection Sunday. Yeah, it's not is knowing. Not knowing. <laughs> it's not knowing. Right. But now yeah. you have a precedent the week before, I'm assuming, where it's like, oh, well, these teams should be in. So. Yeah, exactly. You have a bunch of people's like predictions and all that. But then you have, you know, if they're going to have this 16 team revealing similar to Selection Sunday, it's like, what are you doing? Why? Just why? Right. Well, why have this in the first place? I don't know. For money, that's why they. Yeah, do you need millions more dollars? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got you got to get those Christmas bonuses in somehow. Someone's paying for them. I just really hope that they're not doing this every week. I really hope this doesn't become like a college football thing. Oh, I hope not, because then then you're gonna have to like base like rankings off that top sixteen, and you can be number one in the polls, but number three in the sixteen. And the, are we one or three? We don't know. So. It just adds it's just more complicating a matter that shouldn't be that complicated, but the NCAA is the NCAA and they gotta complicate everything. So will you be tuning in on February eleventh? It's a Saturday. I think it'll be on at like twelve thirty. Don't know what's going on that day, but I'll I'll sure as hell tune in. Why why the hell not? It'll probably be on Twitter like thirty yeah, seconds the, after the, the minute <laughs> of or thirty seconds before as uh the NCAA, NCAA got their, their bracket leak this year, which was pretty funny. <laughs> as as retaliation for extending the program to an hour. Yeah, hopefully they learn from that and bring it back down to 30 minutes because we don't need hashtag more analysis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when it's all crocked up anyway because <laughs> they, no one has any idea what's going to happen. None. So we'll keep an eye out for those 16-team rankings as we get closer, but we're not even in February yet. Oh, yeah, we got a while. We're going to divert your attention to some of the things coming up this weekend. We have quite a few things that don't have to do with men's basketball. Mm-hmm. So first off, let's start off with women's basketball. They're taking on Georgetown. The Lady Cats are red hot. They have that five-game winning streak going to Saturday. They're going to head down to play the Hoyas. They took pretty good care of them at home. Do you see more of the same? Yeah, I, I think I said on uh, Tuesday that I think I see this win streak continuing that they got going here. Um, for Georgetown, Diana White, he, uh, she's the go-to scorer. Uh, Dorothy Adamako, it's a great name, and Faith Woodard are both averaging 14 points and are the top rebounders. Both are interior threats for Georgetown, but I just I don't see them pulling this one off. I see Villanova taking this one. Now, Georgetown has gone – you know, they've gone through a little bit of a transformation, kind of like Villanova. They lost five out of six games, and now they've won three straight going into Saturday. Does that change you at all? Does that concern you? Uh, it's concerning, but I think Villanova's just playing a little bit too good to just drop a game like this. All right. Track and field is at it again. 
They're going to host the Villanova Open in New York. Your okay. thoughts? This is like a the, like when we play what's their name? The oh, I can't think of it. The one oh, with oh, the uh, uh, Liberty or Lehigh or no, 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 no. The the Villanova Open in New York. It's like Indiana University of Pennsylvania or something. Oh, oh, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, yeah. IUP. <laughs> yeah, IUP. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Not exactly. in the state of Indiana. Right. Just like we have the Villanova Open in Staten Island. Oh. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it makes sense. Perfect sense. Why not? I think it's just further showing that we need a track and field complex or some indoor training facility where we can host our own meets, not name the pavilion. Uh, right, yeah. I mean, we could have had one. We could have built a lot of things, but we're just doing renovations. The women's swim team is taking on West Virginia in a dual meet, not a uh, head-to-head meet. There it is. Do you think West Virginia misses being in the Big East? <laughs> Um, no, because I feel like the big 12 teams kind of fit their whole mantra better, you know, Southern, all that stuff. I don't think they like the, uh, Northern East coast type people. (laughs) Lastly, (laughs) (laughs) we, I mean, we, we were in West Virginia for a bit on our way to Louisville. So. Oh, they, they looked at, they looked at your Jersey license plate and and they were like, they, Oh, these kids are a little lost. They're a little <laughs> lost. Yeah, thankfully they didn't have to show us the ropes or anything or take us hunting like the one few people we did see <laughs> in that one place we went to. I don't remember where we went. Yeah, they were looking at me and they were like, oh, yeah, these boys are definitely not from around here. <laughs> big portions down there. Very big portions. I got a small drink and that thing looked like a large in what would consider be a large in Pennsylvania or New York. Oh yeah. Where where did we even go? What was it? was it like an Arby's? It was, was, it it was a... Hardee's. It was Hardee's. Hardee's. And then we went to Arby's in Louisville because it's right next to our hotel. Right. Yeah, thank yeah. Wow. That's hilarious. I've not eaten any of that crap since thank God. Yeah, I've okay. I've not had either of those since either. <sighs> we what were we thinking? <laughs> well, it was midnight and we were coming back from the KFC Yum Center pretty late. And we need a little snack. Yep. And I think I think we were right on the verge of Good Friday too. I think we had it like at eleven. <laughs> we literally ate our sandwiches at eleven fifty nine. We we had a moral debate. I kid you not. <laughs> we were sitting in a very long drive through line and we were talking about getting some chicken sandwiches. We've never had Arby's before. And then we look at the clock and it's like eleven fifty three. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, wait a second. It's going to be Good Friday at midnight. And, of course, you know, some people cheat during Lent. You know, they eat on Fridays, they eat meat on Fridays. But you can't do that on Good Friday. You just no. can't. Yeah. That's, like, the one. Friday. yeah, that's the big no-no. <laughs> and so we were literally sitting there like, oh, no, like, this is disappointing. Like, I really want that chicken sandwich. Like, don't make me get a salad. Don't make me just get fries. Like, I want that chicken sandwich. And it literally came to a point. And we didn't want to give Villanova bad karma going into the lead eight game. Yeah. <laughs> so we were literally debating this in the car. Do we eat the chicken sandwich? Do we not get a chicken sandwich? Is this is God going to smite the Wildcats against Kansas on, what was it, Sunday? Saturday. Or Saturday. Sa- Saturday, yeah. 
We resolved the issue by eating the chicken sandwiches just before the stroke of midnight, leaving the fries to enjoy for the rest of the night. And thankfully, the Wildcats won, and they were not smited. Yes. I think we did Nova Nation a favor because they probably would have lost if we ate them at 12.01. Honestly, that would be all I would think about. On on that long ride home, I would have just been like, we should have not eaten the chicken sandwiches. (laughs) Those rappers would have been placed in the Davis Center. Just the end, like this is where our trophy would be if we had one. <laughs> but two kids wanted Arby's at twelve o'clock on Good Friday. <laughs> God. Oh boy. All right. Back back on track. Back on track. So women's tennis, they're getting their first taste of the spring season. Probably a bit cold out, but they're gonna take on Iowa State on Saturday. They had a big year last season. They notched their first winning season since the 2003-2004 year. Hopefully they can build up on it. Yeah, it would be nice to have consecutive winning seasons considering apparently they don't do a lot of that. So good luck to the women's team this year, women's tennis team this year. Actually, wait, I have one more bit of news. I'm just seeing this right now on my screen here. But Mm -hmm. big ups to... The Villanova Athletics Department for maintaining that title student athlete because the Wildcats gained an overall GPA of 3.224 for the fall semester, continuing that streak of 27 straight semesters of student athletes finishing with a 3.0 or better. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to State of the Nova Nation. Whether you do so on iTunes or on Podomatic. Also, please check us out at viewbenchmob.com for all news and updates on all things Villanova sports. Follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stansman on Twitter. You'll get to see me complaining about how much sports suck nowadays. Nova Nation, happy Thursday. Hopefully, we can get that dub. 